0: What a waste. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? That statement is at the heart of our Bible reading for today. It's spoken by the disciples. They voice it as a question, why this waste? It's a rhetorical question, though. The disciples weren't expecting an answer. They didn't think that there could be any answer. There was no excuse for, from their perspective for the wastefulness of this woman who poured out expensive ointment on Jesus' head. Why this waste, they queried. And the only acceptable response in their minds was, shameful, isn't it? Shameful. The character that we're looking at this week, the woman with the alabaster jar who was shamed for anointing Jesus, it's a hard story to pin down. It's a story that is told in one form or another in all four gospels, but some of them have very different details from, from one another. Uh, different enough that in some cases you wonder if they're even telling the same story. Is it the same woman anointing Jesus in all four Gospels? Or did a similar event occur on multiple occasions? The woman in question is often ident- identified as Mary Magdalene, but that's more of an apocryphal tradition than anything having to do with the, what the Bible says. In three of the four Gospels, the woman goes unnamed in the fourth gospel, John, she is named Mary, but in that case, it's clearly not Mary Magdalene, but Mary, the mother, uh, the, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, the same Lazarus whom Jesus had raised from the dead, the same Mary who had sat at the Master's feet whilst her sister Martha did all the work. Tradition also labels Mary Magdalene as a woman of ill repute because of Luke's telling of this story. In Luke's story, the woman with the costly ointment is called a sinner, and Jesus highlights the fact that she has been forgiven a great deal, implying that she was a woman with quite a reputation. By combining that story from Luke with the one in John where the woman is named Mary, and then finding another Mary at the cross, Mary Magdalene, of whom not much else has been said, that's how the reputation of a redeemed harlot gets, paid, gets pinned on Mary Magdalene, even though She's never called that in the Bible. Each of the Gospels tells this story from a very different perspective. Perspective. That's our theme this season of Lent. And as you heard Amy say, uh, we are taking up a spiritual practice during this Lent of listening to two sermons, the sermon from each of the services, traditional and contemporary, to gain a, a different perspective on each Bible character as we learn from their perspective on Jesus and the cross. So sometime during this week, I encourage you to get on our website or get on the church app, listen to Jeff's sermon on this woman. In the Gospel of Luke, the issue that's raised in the story is forgiveness. The woman was forgiven much, and so she loved much in return. In all three of the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John, the issue at stake is not forgiveness, but waste. Waste. What more appropriate and productive things could have been done with this costly ointment? What more holy and righteous things could have been done with it? It could have been sold in the money given to the poor. Wouldn't that have been a better use? Wouldn't that have made more sense? After all, God wants us to love others and to care for those who can't care for themselves. Why waste such an expensive product on an act of devotion that doesn't accomplish anything for the kingdom? A demonstration of piety that doesn't help anyone and won't last long anyway. That's what the disciples assumed, that this act of extravagance didn't actually accomplish anything worthwhile and that it wouldn't last. I say disciples because that's what Matthew says. Matthew says the disciples were angry and said, why this waste? This ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. Mark simply says, when he tells the story, he simply says, some who were there said this. Mark doesn't say that it was the disciples who said it, just that some people were complaining. Matthew specifies, it was the disciples who were complaining. Now, perhaps he thought it was Judas, that comes from John's gospel, John tells us that Judas complained about the waste, that the perfume could have been sold and the money given to the poor. But John also tells us Judas' motive for saying that, that Judas was the one who held the the common purse and that he regularly stole money from the purse for himself. If the perfume had been sold and the money designated for giving to the poor, the money would have first gone into the purse and very quickly gone into Judas' own pocket. Luke doesn't mention any of these complaints about waste. The one who complains in Luke is Simon the Pharisee, the one hosting the dinner, and his complaint is not about the wastefulness of the act, but the sinfulness of the woman. If Luke is telling the same event as the other Gospels, then it seems that there was complaining all around. The host complaining about one thing, the disciples complaining about another. I can imagine that, can't you? Haven't you ever been in a gathering of people where some of them are grumbling about one thing and others are grumbling about another thing and the one thing they all have in common is that everybody is complaining? Thank God that doesn't happen in the church. Anyway, while Simon is complaining because the woman is a sinner and Judas is complaining because he wants the money for himself and the disciples are complaining too. That, that's why it's helpful to have different perspectives on the same story because if you thought the objection was simply because of greed, because Judas wanted to steal the money, you'd be missing a big part of the picture. All of the disciples were complaining and they, they weren't complaining because they too wanted to steal the money. They were saying this because they actually meant it. They truly thought that this was a wasteful act, that this ointment would have been better used in service to the poor, Jesus responds to their objection, which by the way, they didn't say to his face. Matthew says that Jesus was aware of what they were saying, but they didn't say it directly to him. Isn't that often the way? People like to complain, but they won't go directly to the person that their complaint is with. The disciples stood around grumbling to one another about this wastefulness instead of going directly to the one who had the authority to speak into the situation, the one who could make a change if necessary, the one who could correct their perspective, if that's what was called for. They didn't go to Jesus. But Jesus knew their objection. He knew what they were saying. And so he tried to change their perspective. Why do you trouble the woman? She has performed a good service for me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. That part of his response, you will always have the poor with you. That can be easily misunderstood. It has often been misused, probably since the time that Jesus first said it. Because of those words of Jesus, the poor will always be with you. Some people will say that giving extravagantly to the poor is a waste. If Jesus says there will always be poor people, then that must mean that there's nothing we can do about it. Therefore, pouring resources out on ministry to the poor is like pouring money down the drain. Spending precious money on people who are trapped in a situation they can never escape and seemingly don't even want to escape? What a waste. Ironically, those who take Jesus' words that way are doing the same thing that the disciples were doing in this passage, just in the other direction. The disciples complained that the woman was being wasteful and pouring out resources on Jesus that could have been used for the poor and then based on a misreading of that response others complain that it's wasteful to pour out resources on the poor when it won't change the situation anyway that is not at all what jesus was saying if you think based on one part of one sentence that jesus was suggesting ministry of the poor doesn't matter it won't make a difference then you have a very selective reading of the gospels and the words of jesus He was not critiquing their concern for the poor. And remember, it was a genuine concern. Judas is the only one we are told had false motives. The other disciples were genuinely trying to do the right thing. Jesus had been teaching them all along to be concerned for the poor. Now they're trying to do just that. And Jesus doesn't criticize them for that. He criticizes them for criticizing the woman. He chastises them for thinking that devotion to Jesus and ministry to the poor are two different and dichotomous things. He criticizes them for thinking that you have to sacrifice one in order to do the other. What he means by you will always have the poor with you is that there are always opportunities to minister to the poor. And by all means, you should respond to all of those opportunities that you can when they present themselves. But there are other opportunities that won't always be there. Such as when the Master, the Messiah, is in your presence, he's on his way to the cross, and you want to pour everything out on him to show him what he means. That opportunity isn't always going to be there. It isn't every day that you have Jesus in the flesh, right in front of your eyes, just days before he will sacrifice his very life for the sake of your salvation. That's the opportunity that was before this woman. And in fact, it's the opportunity that was before all of them that day. It's just that she's the only one who knew it. The woman with the alabaster jar was the only one in the entire story who understood that Jesus was about to die. And that the sacrifice he was making would be for her. Just before this story of the anointing at Bethany and the verses immediately preceding it, the first five verses of the chapter are all about Jesus' impending death. In verses 1 and 2, Jesus told his disciple outright that in two days, the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then in verses three through five, the the chief priests and the elders began to conspire to arrest Jesus, to have him killed. And then comes this story of the anointing at Bethany. So the fact that Jesus is about to die should not come as a surprise. It shouldn't be pushed to the back of the disciples' minds. He had told them that it would happen. He had just told them it would happen. And, And he wasn't being vague about when it would happen. In two days, he said. But the disciples were still acting as if everything is normal. Everything was fine. Keep going from town to town, preaching. Continue collecting money for the poor. It's just another day in the life of a disciple. It wasn't just another day. Everything was not just fine. Jesus was on his way to the cross. Jesus was on his way to the cross. Their master was about to die and no one close to him seemed to know it. Even though he told them over and over again. This woman knew. This woman with the alabaster jar, she had a A perspective on what was taking place that no one else in the story had at the time. And she had to respond to it. She had to grasp on to this opportunity to minister to Jesus while there was still time, while he was still in her presence, before, before he was taken away. She had to show him that someone was listening, she had to show him what he meant. So she poured out this costly ointment on his head. And as she poured out that costly ointment, she also poured out herself. She poured out herself in devotion, in admiration. She poured out herself in adoration for who he is. She poured out herself in contrition for her sin and for the sin of everyone that had led to his impending death. And that act of extravagant devotion would not go to waste. The disciples objected to this woman anointing Jesus in a way that they never would have objected to her anointing his dead body. They didn't see a point to it because he was still alive and healthy. And they wanted to pretend it would always be that way. They wanted to ignore what he was telling them about his death. She had a perspective of what was about to take place that they were all still in denial about. And Jesus told them straight out, She has prepared me for burial. The disciples saw this as a waste because they thought that they were going to go on with life as normal and this woman's actions would soon be forgotten and the costly ointment would be gone forever. But their perspective was all off. Truly I tell you, said Jesus, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in all the world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. How can you put a price on that? What some people see as a waste, others know to be essential. Why do you give all that money to the church? A full tithe? Do you know how much money that is? How can I not? How can I not pour out my most precious resources to him when he has poured himself out for me? What the woman did in this Bible story, it it looked like a waste to just about everyone else, even those who were closest to Jesus. But to her, to her, It was all that she could do. It was all that she could do. She had to, how could she not pour out all that she had for the one who was about to pour out himself, his own life, his very blood for her. And to Jesus, to Jesus, This was an act of compassion and witness that will live on forever. It will live on forever, inspiring similar acts of devotion throughout the ages. Similar acts of devotion that some people will look at and they will complain, what a waste, but which our Lord receives and blesses as a good service to him. A fitting and an enduring testament of faith. Amen.